Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we caved, and we're doing a special episode on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I said last episode when we did The Sting that um, I didn't feel like watching another Godfather so soon, and that watching The Sting really made me want to watch and talk about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So uh, I got my way, you guys, and that's what we're doing. Mackie didn't have to do much convincing. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) It was more like, hey, can we do this one? Sure. And I'm glad we did. Like, very glad. Yes, I think, I don't know how your past couple work weeks have been, um, but we're in a very busy season for me right now. And so getting to talk about something that is more on the comedic spectrum and is just really a good, delightful movie was exactly what I needed. So I'm going to go through background pretty quickly so we can just jump into the meat of things. Love it. Butch Cassidy's The Sundance Kid is a 1969 American Western directed by George Roy Hill, who went on to direct The Sting. And it was written by William Goldman, who is of the Princess Bride fame, who I adore. It stars Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Catherine Ross, and is based loosely on the story of real-life outlaws Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid and their time robbing banks in the U.S. and Bolivia. It was nominated for several Academy Awards, actually, including Best Picture, but lost to Midnight Cowboy. Um, And I think at the end, since we won't really be doing rankings, we should talk about whether or not we think this should have won instead. Yeah, I actually (laughs) am having difficulty really deciding that. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're going to have a whole podcast to think about it. It was nominated for Best Director. It won for Best Screenplay, won for Best Cinematography, won for Best Original Score, and won for Best Song. Uh, the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, and it was nominated for Best Sound Mixing. I agree with every single one of those. Um, I do think that there is kind of a glaring missing couple of nominations and that I think both Redford and Newman deserve a nomination for this. I'd agree. They tow that line of like being apathetic bad guys, but also being invested and like actually, I don't know. It's, I'm having a trouble actually describing what I mean, but it's like that kind of edge between being the tough guy, but also actually being scared. And like, I got that from them. And I feel like that's a very difficult, I guess, mix to show. Yeah, I think going, when we get into the meat of things, I want to spend a lot of time talking about their performances because I think you kind of summed it up right there, but we'll get into like the nuances of it. Um, But I I do think both of them deserve at least a nomination for that. Yeah, totally Um, agree. I would potentially give Newman a win. Other best pictures from that year, Midnight Cowboy, of course, which won, Anne of the Thousand Days, Hello, Dolly, and Z were the other nominees, just as a refresher. This movie also is number 73 on AFI's top 100 10th anniversary list, and Butch and Sundance are number 20 on AFI's Heroes and Villains as Heroes, of course. And it is AFI's number 7 greatest Western of all times. It's good. And you know that I am not always the fan of Westerns, which I... Okay, Like, this is in the same way that I'm not always a fan of quote-unquote war movies, so... Hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) You say that you are not a fan but of Western. But I've Western, loved every you Western said, you've shown me, so... Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. It's You're not a fan of bad Westerns. Yes, exactly. In the same yeah. way, I'm not a fan of war movies that are about the actual fighting itself, and that be it. 
I love yeah. like all. You want some layers. Exactly. And not to like go way, way, way off tangent, but like all of the war movies that we have watched as part of our canon episodes, I found to be super engaging because they are really about the human aspect of it and have all seemed to have taken like a very sideways view of like World War One, And I, I know that. They're they're buying or or World War Two. Um, most of them have been World War Two. Uh, I mean, it's because by and large they haven't just been pure propaganda pieces. Yeah. Um. Now to contrast that with the westerns we have done that are canon episodes, uh, there is one canon episode western, and it is Cimarron. <laughs> oh <laughs> which yeah. Is not good. Um. But I, the ones I had we've forgotten done... about that one. I just kind of like <laughs> stored it away back in the back of my head because I'm like, eh, I'm never going to watch this again. <laughs> That's the one where you were like, I hate Westerns. And I was like, you just haven't seen any good ones. We'll show you some good ones. And so far, I have delivered on that yes, promise. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You're very welcome. All right. Let's just go straight into Watch Notes now because I literally, as I was watching the movie, I was like... I just can't wait to talk about this intro <laughs> because it's brilliant. Oh, agreed. Well, and quite frankly, the starting with the credits, even with the kind of old style sped up film where it's looking at the gang as they're going about doing their gang things. <laughs> their train robbing. <laughs> exactly. And, and I it's just in that loved... sepia mm-hmm. tone, which they then, once the credits are over transition that same like look and Mm -hmm. tone into the first scene of butch um staking out the bank yeah which is so beautifully shot um can we talk about all the good shadows in this movie so many the cinematography is off the charts it's so incredible oh yeah and the i mean the lighting contributes to it the shot composition for sure is impeccable and it's the close-ups on all of the different security features mm-hmm. that have been implemented meanwhile you have newman already starting off with a really great performance of just like his eyes darting around the bank and he's not super interacting with anyone at the beginning but like you 100 percent get the idea that he is staking this place out mm-hmm. he's clocking every single one of these things and then there's the great bit when he leaves where he's like oh you guys have like updated some things since last time like would you do the old bank? It was so pretty. And they're like, it kept being robbed. Small price for beauty. And I'm like, Jesus, the really? one-liners. Come on. <laughs> There's so many good one-liners. That's true, oh. though. But I just, such a good intro here. Because it's it kind of gives you that understanding that Butch is definitely a romantic at heart, even if he's all about the bank robbing. <laughs> and he's the quote-unquote brains, although... <laughs> I mean, the level of his brains we will talk about later. (laughs) Just because you're the smartest person in your gang doesn't objectively mean you're smart. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Like relative, yes, absolute, no. (laughs) It's so true. Um, But so we get a really great introduction to Butch's character there where we get kind of the idea of like his levity, his romanticism, um, him being the quote unquote strategist. And then we immediately cut to Sundance where we get his character introduction and we get to see the foil that these Mm -hmm. two characters create yeah because he's playing a game of cards super silent stony face like I'm in this to win it and I love how important his perceived like 
honor is in this game because he's accused of cheating because he's not lost a hand since he got the deal. And just the way that he needed his ego stroked before he would even leave the situation is just yes. so perfect to have well, him understand what he wants and who because he is. Because that, that one guy calls him out and is basically like stands back there's going to be a shootout but we also get like Sundance calm cool and collected during mm-hmm. the whole thing and Butch walks in and here's where we get the idea that Butch is the talker Sundance is the muscle oh yeah because Butch is sitting there just being like you just you just need to like invite us to stay like just invite us to stay and it'll be fine and you don't even have to mean it yeah but again so much for Sundance's character where it's like you have to have that appearance of like all right, you're welcome here, but I'm going to be the one to decide to leave. You don't get to tell me when to leave. Yes. And then he also has this reputation as this great gunfighter Mm -hmm. because the guy, once he hears that it's Sundance, is like, oh, I didn't know that you were the Sundance kid. And then, of course, leaving, the guy kind of calls him out again. How good are you? Turns around, shoots off the guy's gun belt and like shoots his pistol across the floor. And it's such, such a good opening. Oh, for sure. And that's, I, I think, the end of this kind of sepia tone piece. I do love how it seems to be all of the kind of development and, like, mythology parts of the the film are in the sepia tone. Because there's even a sequence in the middle that we'll get to where it's like, this is pure, let's talk about these characters, what they're doing, how they interact with one another, who they are. Like, I don't know. I just like that technique. And especially at the end, which I'm not going to yes. get there yet, but... Yes. Um, I also love the way they transition into and out of it. Mm-hmm. It's so seamless. Like with this first one, the way they transition out of the sepia is with the sunrise. Yeah. As they're just subtle. riding over like that expansive Western vista. Because we also get some just beautiful shots of like the open Western vistas, which is one of my favorite aspects of the Western genre. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about it in our Searchers episode. Um, and we get a lot of it in this episode as well. Yeah. So get a bit of a as maggie said all of those shots were there going back to their camp and this is one of my favorite scenes of oh fun fact fun fact though so they talk about going back into back to hole in the wall Mm -hmm. which was like a hideout that a lot of different um, outlaws kind of like used at the time but they refer to it as butch cassidy and the hole in the wall gang and that's what they refer to the gang as Mm -hmm. in real life that, that gang was called the Wild Bunch, but there was another Western film that came out in 1969 called The Wild Bunch. So they had to change it in the script for Butch Cassidy and Sundance uh. because they were like, well, we can't like have that in this film. Like we're going to run into some sort of legal trouble. So that's why they changed that name. I mean, I kind of like Hole in the Wall gang better. I do too. It's it's much more ragtag. Because <laughs> they are ragtag. Oh, yes. Because they, they're not happy that Butch has been away. And so they're basically saying that Harvey Logan, one of the members, is their new leader. And they have to fight over it. I, this is where we get, like, Butch is all flash. Like, we oh, saw yeah. Sun, Sundance is the stone cold killer. Butch is all talk, all flash. But the thing is, all talk and all flash actually is getting him somewhere here. Because oh, he's yeah. basically, like, talking Harvey into a corner. God, I love... Hold on. There's some, like, great lines in this, too, that I wrote out. Um, because, like, just talking about, like, the dialogue and the writing. And so much of it is just, like, packed into the scene. Like, going into it, there's the bit where Butch says, I got vision and the rest of the world wears bifocals. 
<laughs> so good because this is because that it's on the way there that he first mentions Bolivia uh-huh. as this kind of like mythological robbers outlaws paradise and then he says uh as they're in there and they're the gang is having the conversation where you have like the one little comedic bit where the guy's reading the newspaper mm-hmm. clipping and you have like Harvey saying he's the new leader and someone points out to Butch you always said anyone could challenge you and Butch says well, it's because I figured no one would do it. <laughs> but he's like talking. There's the part where Harvey's like guns or knives and Butch is like neither. Pick one. But I, I love how he's very subtly forces it into a knife fight by being like, I don't want to shoot with you. I don't think that's necessarily intentional. But he's like, I don't want to shoot it out with you. And so Harvey like pulls out this horrible looking knife yeah. and is like, fine, have it your way. But I like to and think then, that course, it is intentional because then he immediately moves into the like okay let's hash out the rules <laughs> well yeah i mean i think he was just gonna try and talk himself into anything although based on some stuff that happens later you might be right where he was like okay well if it's got to be something talk it into a knife fight but i'm not sure that butch thinks quite that far ahead i think he thought he could just talk his way completely out of it oh i don't know yeah because then also harvey's telling sundance like you stay out of this but like once it's over and he's dead, you're welcome to to still mm-hmm. join us. To which Butch kind of walks over to Sundance and is like, if uh, this is over and I'm dead, kill him. <laughs> and of course, Sundance is like si- kind of silently backing Butch up. Like he's not going to get involved directly right now. But you can tell he's like on Butch's side because then there's the bit with the let's like talk out the rules. To which Harvey's like there are no rules in a knife fight. And then Bush just kicks him in the crotch yeah. and like punches it. Or, and then he's like, okay, well, if there are no rules, somebody say one, two, three, go. And then Sundance immediately is like, one, two, three, go. And then he just takes out Harvey. Yeah. He was definitely able to play them like a fiddle, but maybe not in the most complex way. So I'm just like, oh, oh, Glad Again, you were able is, to manipulate these not bright people. Which is <laughs> the smartest one of a not very smart bunch. But anyway, he's back back in charge. And this is when we are able to get kind of a sequence of train robberies and in our introduction to Etta. The train robbery, which uh, was Harvey's idea. <laughs> which then Butch is like, we're doing okay, that. Yeah, we'll do Harvey's idea. Because the, their idea is that like they'll hit this the train that carries this massive amount mm-hmm. of cash on it as it's going to its destination and then also like on its return trip when it has more cash because they're like no one's ever hit it going there and going back so like on the way back they'll think they're safe i kind of love that logic for its simplicity and naivete (laughs) (laughs) because we get the first train robbery which is one of my favorite sequences in all of cinema is it with Woodcock? It's with Woodcock. <laughs> this poor, poor, low-level clerk. Oh, what a... As I think uh, Butch refers to him as a, we got a hero in there. Because Sundance gets the train to stop. And then Butch is over there kind of like talking to this clerk through like the door of the car where they know the safe is. Mm-hmm. And he's being like, um, you know, do you, do you really want to die for your employer who like would not care if you died? What, what is it? He keeps E.H. Harriman. E.H. Harriman. But Woodcock is like this idealistic young person who's like, ah, he, he hired me directly. I am my work. (laughs) Played, played by George Firth. 
perfectly. Oh my goodness. Cause he's, he's just the right amount of unsure about what he's doing. Well, and there's like a, I love the fact that like Butch is trying to like talk him down. Like he's like, just, just open the door for us. Like you don't want to get hurt again. You get the idea that like Butch, Butch just wants to steal. He doesn't really want to hurt. Oh yeah. Which I appreciate about Butch. He's our gentleman outlaw. This is why we love Butch. Exactly. Even though he's he's our gentleman outlaw. Definitely, as you said, an outlaw. <laughs> but he's a gentleman outlaw. Yeah, he's finding the establishment. He's finding the E.H. Harrimans. Exactly. The world. Well, and they blow open the train car, and Butch immediately checks on Woodcock to make sure he's okay. And I'm like, it's so okay. Sweet. I'm I'm glad that you at least care about this person. To check on Woodcock. <laughs> yeah, he checks on Woodcock, and then I love when he's like, "You do not get paid enough." <laughs> The comedic timing in this was superb. It's so good. Oh, the comedic timing of absolutely everyone in this entire film is so spot on. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And one last thing with that first train robbery. I love how they're basically positioning E.H. Harriman as the bad guy here. Because they're yeah. like, he's he's putting you in harm's way. He's taking advantage of you, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then this, of course, leads to like right into this other just superbly written comedic sequence in the town where you have this marshal trying to raise a posse. And I love the bit where he's like giving his speech. He's like, how many of you can bring your own guns? No one raises a hand. Or horses. Like How how many of you are going to want me to supply you with guns? No hands. (laughs) And... They're talking about like like people in the crowd are being like they already ran out or like rode out of town or whatever. Mm-hmm. It pans up to like the balcony of like a brothel, and there they are. Butch and Sundays are just sitting there, and you're like the audacity of these two to be like we're gonna chill in the town where they're trying to raise the posse to get us for the train robbery. We I mean robbery it's kind we of just did. brilliant cuz who's going to look there? Like who would think that these idiots would be in the town closest to the train robbery? I I mean it's it's great. Well, and clearly they're like friends with like the brothel owner and all of that stuff and like they've got like allies in the town. Um but I I think it it sets up kind of the the laissez-faire attitude they almost have had about like the whole thing yeah up until this point which makes it a really great like transition and change when their characters suddenly find themselves in very real danger later Mm -hmm. and like that that fear you were talking about that we get to like see the characters experience i think like this whole sequence before that like that posse chase that we will definitely talk about really just like sets up like kind of how easy these two have had it to a certain extent. Like they've kind of been able to just do what they want and they haven't really had to face consequences for it up until this point. Oh yeah. They think they're like the hot shot outlaws that can do everything and never face consequences. They think they're real hot shit. (laughs) So ending that scene, we get this beautiful monologue by Robert Redford's Sundance kid where he's talking about trying to find a wife and how she has to or he just says I'm gonna I don't even I don't think it's necessarily a wife it's like Butch has gone inside with like one of the uh, brothel workers uh, that Sundance is like I'm gonna go find me a girl I'm not picky yeah I'm not picky (laughs) as long as she's intelligent and charming and beautiful list continues as he just and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and caring. It's like and a full 60-second list. 
of as he just like kind of drunkenly walks off into mm-hmm. the night it's really funny and that's where we cut to Etta's house where she has just got home she is getting ready for bed and this I didn't know what was going to happen in this so I realized when I was like watching this again um because this was I've, I've watched this movie this was probably like the third or fourth time I've watched the movie mm-hmm. like I'd seen it years ago and then I watched it right after we watched the sting and then I watched it again <laughs> for this but when I got to the scene I was like I remembered when the first time I watched it like it really taking like kind of like taking me by surprise and like me being really, really worried. And I was like curious what your reaction oh, to it was the first time. 100% was really, really worried. Because obviously I knew where it was going. Yeah, I did not. So I was like, it's fine. Yeah. So when she goes into her bedroom and begins to like undress and all of a sudden Butch is there. No, not it's Butch, Sundance. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sundance. I'm like, holy shit, Sundance. I actually liked you. What are you doing? This is not cool. And the right. way... That Catherine Ross plays her reactions to this, again, builds up that tension because it's, it's right. almost like she he's holding her at gunpoint is what I thought and forcing right. her to undress. And I mean, she even gets down to her final layer of undergarments and she has the ribbons open and you can see her trembling. Like, again, that costume choice along with the way that Catherine Ross used it just built up this, okay, she is in danger. I need to... to which revise my does, opinion of Sundance. It really does take you by surprise. Cause like up until this point, you're like, okay, Sundance is this cold blooded killer, but he's got this really great rapport with like uh Butch and like he like you know, like he he doesn't seem like we haven't seen him do anything like really terrible. Like we can tell he's like the grumpier, probably more dangerous of the two, mm-hmm. but like this you're like, whoa. It's a lot. Hold up, like what's going on? Yeah. Turns out when he like walks up to her, she's like, you know what I wish? And he says, what? And she's like, that for once you'd get here on time. <laughs> so it turns out that all of this has been a little bit of, a little bit of role play. Exactly. I do think that scene goes on a little too long. Like I feel like they stretch out the reveal that they're a couple a little too long. And like seeing it for the first time, I actually liked it. Okay. And so I, I don't know. That's the one, one thing that this movie does very, very well is that tension release, tension release bit that you get in, in some horror films, even though this is not a horror film, but though that scene, if it did not end the way it is, it does, (laughs) could have been a horror film. Um, I do think there is also another thing with this movie of like the subverting of expectations, Mm -hmm. especially around the Western genre, like We'll talk about it more in a couple of other sequences, but where you talked about like you get the idea that like these stoic tough guy criminals, like they're scared, like mm-hmm. they're legitimately scared and they're worried. And there are times where like they fumble and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think this kind of takes the like black hat villain setup and then reverses it because we never like we see Butch with like multiple other women. We never see Sundance with another woman mm-hmm. like he is in this committed relationship with the character of Etta. Mm-hmm. And like that I think is like a subversion of like an expectation for like the Western genre, particularly like the outlaw. Right. And it's adding to Sundance's kind of complexity as a character and making him in my mind much more interesting because it's. And I think Etta's too. Oh, agreed. Where she, she is this straight laced school teacher who is fine, you know, 
being with an outlaw. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's like a little little something extra to Etta and like her love of adventure and her kind of like not necessarily love of danger, but I guess being okay with danger mm-hmm. as like a method of getting adventure. I don't know, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a yeah. Those two characters I think are very interesting, and I love the way that they that uh, Catherine Ross and Robert Redford play off each other. Mm-hmm. And then moving into the next sequence, I love the way Catherine Ross and Paul Newman play off of each other. Yeah. And like the very different relationship Etta has with Butch. Yeah. So the start of that scene, I, I do want to talk about specifically because the comedy with Paul Newman's Butch, like talking through the windows as he's riding by and we see him outside. On the, bi- on the bicycle yeah. that the guy interrupted the sheriff trying to recruit the posse in order to like How try much and do you sell the crowd a bicycle. that Butch put that salesman up to that. I again not a hundred percent sure he thinks quite that far ahead. I think the guy was just like taking an opportunity, and I think Butch was totally like, you know what? I want that bicycle. <laughs> Regardless, really funny start there. And then we get Etta in this gorgeous, like casual dress thing, which again Night, nightgown you, slash Edith robe head. thing. Again. I know Edith had did the costumes in this and they are just perfect like because even looking at like butch and sundance like sundance is in mostly black Mm -hmm. but then butch is in more muted browns i think to kind of set off the like white hat black hat thing but it's not quite white hat black hat but it's like the like i guess the hardness of their characters almost yeah and it's almost like butch is a chameleon who can just like flex into any situation with his uh suave talking but that whole sequence on the bike it's it's like so sweet and it's like i i was confused at first this is where we all fall in love with butch (laughs) i mean yeah and also was that paul newman doing some of that bike riding yeah he did all his own stunts on that bike riding bit good for him i couldn't yeah he did he apparently i read though that he did get mad at robert redford for redford doing a lot of his own stunts early on but that's because redford's were a lot more dangerous Uh, with like the train there's it's like the bit where in the first train robbery where he's like running along the train oh he he did that moving train robert Redford did that and paul newman got really mad because he was like i i'm not losing a co-star like geez yeah but newman did do almost every one of those bike stunts apparently okay I did love the comedic end to it as well, where the the one bull like chased him off. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we get the raindrops falling, keep falling on my head okay. song. The song I like, I was not a huge fan of that song in that context because it felt too much of an anachronism and it kind of like pulled me out of the movie. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't love it because of it is a little anachronistic and i mean a lot of this movie is anachronistic mm-hmm. like the dialogue especially between butch and sundance is very anachronistic and like at one point they use the phrase crib sheet which i'm pretty sure very anachronistic <laughs> for the time period but i actually really like oftentimes i'm not going to say universally but i will i often like anachronistic dialogue in historical movies or shows because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it sounds more natural to the characters in a way than like trying to go for that like super period appropriate dialogue a lot of the time. Yeah. And like, honestly, there's nothing I would love more than to see a Jane Austen style like Regency movie with the dialogue of like mean girls. So I'm very okay with a little bit of uh, anachronisms going on in my my movies. Totally agree. I I agree with you as long as it's a very intentional 
move. Yes. And I and I would agree with you that I think the song is more anachronistic and a little bit stands out a little bit more than I think a lot of the other anachronisms Mm -hmm. that we see because there's a second sequence where they have a very modern well i shouldn't say very modern but for the time kind of like doo-wop doo-wop shoopy to whatever thing when they're in the bank robbing sequence in bolivia didn't mind it there because it was i don't know it, it, it felt old enough to not be jarring but that's yeah i don't know i don't we're being very picky about it i mean there's not a lot to knit you kind of so. gotta be yeah <laughs> there aren't uh, really any large yeah. sweeping problems with this movie so we got nitpick on it but i don't mind it i i do <laughs> okay but i'll forget anyway it's it. a very sweet sequence yes and so they they get back to etta's house and i love this interaction between butch and sundance because butch is like uh oh no 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 sundance comes out and like what are you doing Butch's response trying to steal your woman and sundance just is like oh okay and goes back inside <laughs> And he's so, like, you can have her. And Butch is like, way to be a romantic, man. I just, I just love it. I, I, it's a very interesting relationship between those three characters. Because like I saw it described in a lot of stuff when I was like doing a little bit of background reading as like a love triangle. But it isn't really. No, because I don't get the impression that Butch has anything more than like fatherly or uncle type like feelings for I mean, Etta. He and Etta have a very flirty relationship but it's like neither of them ever really crosses a line and it's like Sundance seems very comfortable in their relationship Mm -hmm. and I do think like there's a line Etta says where it's like if we had met first do you think like I would be with you and not with Sundance and like I think you know maybe potentially but it's not anything that they ever like explore like I don't know like it, it seems like those characters and the actors balance the relationship perfectly yeah it's like they're all friends and it's non-threatening yeah so well played to say the least yes well played well written so moving into the second train robbery which is my hilarious god so they stop the train just like they did before butch goes up to the car with the safe in it to start talking to the guy and you hear the voice being like i work for mr e.h harriman and the look on Butch's face when he realizes it's Woodcock again is like the most adorable, excited expression ever. Oh my god. And I love that his first thing is he's like, Woodcock, is that you? Are you okay? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? And then he tries to pull the let's see you so that Woodcock <laughs> almost opens the door. <laughs> But catches himself, and then he's like, Butch, you know if this was my money, there isn't anybody I'd rather give it to. No, 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 Be- like, have steal it from me, is the way he put it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, the writing, so yes. So funny, so funny. <laughs> and then just the back and forth between the, the door, and then you have this woman come out. Oh, who, I love her. She is like I a firebrand. She comes out, and she's like, uh, everyone's like, go back into the car. And she's like, no, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm a grandmother and a female and I've got my rights. <laughs> and I loved it. And she's a total teetotaler. So she's like, yes, I fought she, against... She fought whiskey. She fought against gambling and she will fight against them, Ian. <laughs> I mean, she is taken hostage and that's why Woodcock opens the door. But okay, okay. props she's, for she's being consistent. She's taken hostage. <laughs> I mean, she is taken hostage. I did question whether she was a plant. No, no, no. I don't think she's a plant. I th- what happens is 
because we just hear so it cuts from like her walking up to them and Sundance being like we don't have time for this back into the train car with Woodcock Mm -hmm. so we hear what sounds like a bit of a scuffle and this woman asking for help and being like what are you doing help me help me as Woodcock's inside and we don't see what's going out outside I mean we assume that they've like got her held hostage at gunpoint or something and she's I think like you have to open the car they'll kill me and so he opens the car door they've got the woman at gunpoint but Sundance has his hand over her mouth and Butch is mimicking her (laughs) (laughs) oh I missed that I was just looking at her and didn't see Butch no Butch is mimicking her for that last bit so like because I have a feeling that woman they would have could have held her at gunpoint and she wouldn't be like open the door (laughs) they're gonna kill me she would be like you keep that door closed I'll take them on my own Uh, I love it so you have Butch mimicking her and that's when when uh Woodcock opens the door you have Butch talking and then he fades into his own voice and it's just like smiling at Woodcock (laughs) like sorry buddy but this again you get that delightful banter between Woodcock and Butch and even with the the safe where it's like Butch is saying like how how could you do this to me man like that is why'd you have to do that get some dynamite but ultimately this ends with them blowing up the rail car because they used (laughs) so much which is just like oh with the classic comedic uh Sundance looking at Butch going do you think we used enough dynamite (laughs) oh my goodness it's so great he is so sarcastic I love it. But we immediately see the dark smoke in the background of a second train coming. And I love the way they built, again, this tension and suspense. When the train comes to a stop too, the sequence of short shots on the like dark colored train with the ominous sounds and all of that building up how bad this is about to be, just expertly done. And the low shot of all of the horses jumping out of the train car, again, just... Such yes. good filmmaking. Yes, this, this is the entrance of our, quote, super posse. And we'll see this going on through this uh, entire chase sequence we're about to describe, which this entire chase sequence, which really starts now, is about 30 minutes long. Yeah. they The way they keep the tension up and just sprinkle in, like, the right amounts of, like, comedy and character, mm-hmm. I think is such amazing writing it is such amazing editing. Like, the way this it's shot is amazing. But this is the sh- start of... We very rarely get close-ups of the posse, Mm -hmm. and if we're in a close-up or medium shot, we never see their faces, and it gives it this kind of, like, haunting, almost inhuman quality. Agreed. Of, like, they'll never stop. They're coming after you. They're not even human. How are you going to face them? How are you going to defeat them? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, even at the beginning when they try to pull the same sort of thing where they hide out at the brothel, that that doesn't work this time because their plant gets held up at gunpoint and like sells them out immediately. Okay, I love the way that they shoot that though, where it's Butch and Sundance like looking through the curtains of like the brothel, and they they mm-hmm. call the guy I think his name Sweetface, <laughs> and the posse rides up, and you see that guy like pretending he can't hear, and you have like we can't hear any of the conversation between the posse and Sweetface because that's another thing we never hear any dialogue from the posse too, which adds to that like inhuman quality to them. You just have like Butch and Sundance commentating over it. And then the posse leaves and they're like, oh yeah, good job, sweet face. And then later- Well, hold on. That line that Butch says where, damn sweet face, if he told me I'd jumped town 10 minutes ago, I'd believe him. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so we get the, well, and that also sets up the idea that like, this has worked so many times before. Uh Like this is their plant who's always doing great. 
Butch like gets one of the girls uh, played by I think it's Cloris Leachman actually yes as Agnes yeah it's Cloris Leachman and she's she's hilarious she's only in it for like a couple minutes tops and she's so funny she's like I don't Um, care about money and clothes she's she's like I'm dressing (laughs) and just talking meanwhile we hear the return Uh of the posse horses butch is like suddenly like up like what like what the fuck is that sundance jumps in the room through the room like leaps over the bed to look out the window and we see the posse come back and that's where we see them hold up sweet face and he immediately points to them in the window and they're out and everything they try from trying to get rid of their horses all of that (laughs) just does not work and so i love the horses so funny butch Unties the posse's horses and is trying to like scare them off in like classic Western fa- fashion. So like again, subverting that Western stereotype where it's like, oh, you know, they make it out, they like almost get held up, but then they like fight the guy and get away, and they're gonna like loose the posse's horses, and then they're able to get away. Yeah, well, no, no, those horses won't go. <laughs> <laughs> so well trained. But this is they keep going and going and going, and the kind of the first sequence here. It's turned tonight, and you see the torches in the distance. And I love how, as you said, it's like we don't ever really see them. And so now they're reduced just to pinpoints of light. And it's still just like this ominous set of moving lights across the yeah. plane. So good. I think that's where you get the first, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. And we also, there's like some interesting like talking between like Butch and Sundance where we get like more of their characters where like, Butch kind of talks a lot when he's nervous and Sundance really just like clams up because he's sitting there. They're kind of hiding behind the rocks. And I think, what is it? Butch says something like, how how do you think they f- would have fallen? Or how far do you think we have to go or so- or we've gone? Mm-hmm. And he's like, far. Sundance is like, far or something. He's like, how much farther do you think we have to go before they won- won't find us? He's like, a little bit farther or something. Or how much <laughs> do we have to wait a little bit longer? Like yeah. it's... The back and forth between the two of them is so good. And Newman and Redford play it so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Like the casting is just perfect, which is interesting considering that Redford was like the third choice or something to play Sundance. Interesting. It was supposed to be Jack Lemon, but then Jack Lemon didn't like riding horses and also thought it was too similar to like a previous Western he had done. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Steve McQueen was signed on or something and then ended up dropping out. But like, I I can't imagine it with two other people. Agreed. And it's no wonder that they were cast side by side in the sting given the chemistry they showed here. So, well, and that they showed in the sting, like they played off one another really well there too. Yeah. It's, I think a crime that those are the only two films they made together. So in the middle of this chase scene, we do get one really quick, like out where they're trying to get into the army to go fight the Spanish American war. (laughs) Because they've tried everything. They tried like um, splitting off from mm-hmm. the group. The posse followed only them. I Have they done the, they haven't done the thing where they let one of the horses go yet. I think they do that after. Or have they already done they the already thing did. where they, okay, yeah, where basically they're riding their horses and then Sundance jumps onto mm-hmm. Butch's horse and they send one of the horses off. Didn't and at work. first it seems like the posse is going for it and then it yeah. doesn't. And that's where we get another, who are these guys? Yeah. And that, that was where they were like pinpricks of light. I just, oh, it was so, so good. But I love the comedic like relief in the middle of this with the one, I, I guess he's some army guy. I don't, I didn't fully understand I, who he was. I thought he was a sheriff maybe. Or a marshal. 
maybe yeah like, like some somebody who's like theoretically part of the law who's definitely like friends with them yeah. and shouldn't be because they're coming in they're like we want to enlist like it's their last ditch effort they're yeah like, we'll enlist we'll go fight the spanish and the guy's like uh, not gonna work never gonna make it out <laughs> meanwhile like in between he's being like here tie my legs to this chair well it's <laughs> he he's keeping up the appearance like... i just it's so funny even though we're in the yes. middle of this tense situation so it's hilarious next day they... and he also says well he also says that um that guy says something really important about how basically like their time's up like mm-hmm. they're gonna die in a shootout and it's gonna be bloody like they mi- basically missed their chance to get on the straight yeah. and narrow a while and back. now they'll never be able to and so they're just like okay we'll keep going and they do yeah. and they're going over rocks and trying to take a rest and it's like nope they're still tracking them well, and here's where we get the way they play the fear, which is so good. And I like that the characters display fear in different ways, too, mm-hmm. that is so consistent with their character. Like, Butch gets chatty. Sundance gets even more silent. And there's, like, the really great part where there's, like, a lizard or a snake on the rock. A Gila monster, that, like, yeah. Yeah, that, like, knocks a rock and it causes a noise. And you get Sundance turns around and shoots it immediately yeah. because he's so jumpy. Because at this point, they've decided that they think they know who at least two of the members mm. of the posse are. And it's uh, the Lord Baltimore, who's like a really great tracker. Mm-hmm. And then LaFors, who's like this uh, really well-known... Toughest I guess, like, sheriff in the West. Yeah. So they, they know that it's this like crazy posse after them. And they're like really, really scared mm-hmm. and just don't know how they're going to get out of this. And their desperation is like going ratcheting up so high at this point so like they even get to the point where they leave their horse and they're just scrambling up this kind of rock mountain face yeah going down they tumble down a hill and all of a sudden they are stopped running 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 and then those camera just come like pans Uh out so fast and you just see this canyon and like a river and these waterfalls and we're like they're cornered yeah well i'm gonna be honest here as soon as they showed the like pool of water below i'm like I bet they're going to jump. <laughs> but Ian, did you know they're going to jump in so much style? No. And I will say before they jump, this interaction again between Sundance and Butch is the funniest shit where it's like Sundance so is like, good. okay, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. Butch is like, and Butch is like, no, 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 no. we're going to jump. Like who would be crazy enough? That they won't follow us. Who's crazy enough to jump if they don't have to, like, it's fine. We'll jump. And then we'll go to Bolivia because he is still like, <laughs> Bolivia is the answer. But it comes out that Sundance can't swim. I love that where, oh, there's the bit, I just, oh, watch the scene. Like, I Please don't do. even know how to describe it because it's just the back and forth with like the, I'll jump first. No, then you jump first. No. Well, you got to jump. No, I can't swim. <laughs> really? Just watch the whole movie. Like, yes, th- watch the whole movie. There's not just but... one scene that I can pick out. Watch the whole movie. This one's iconic, though, because then I I love Butch's response is just laughing so hard. Like, he just starts hysterically laughing and is like, you idiot, the fall's probably going to kill you. <laughs> so like, you're not going to have to swim. Why are you worried about swim? being able to swim? <laughs> <laughs> it's like even Butch knows that his own plan is, like, ridiculous, yeah. but it's the only option. So then they, I love them, like, holding onto the belt uh-huh. and then the, like, wind up scream that uh robert redford does as they jump (laughs) and and just screaming like oh shit and then immediately they're like 
they drop the belt and like mm-hmm. aren't holding on to each other and then them just bickering as they're like caught in the rapids of the river. And this is that <laughs> sound editing and mixing coming in here. It's great. Like this entire time over this chase sequence, one, cinematography, as the posse gets closer, the shots get closer to the posse. Like beautiful. The entire time you have this low ominous rumble of the posse's horse hooves just like playing throughout this again and you've got a very sparse score mm-hmm. underneath it just like highlighting tension at all the right moments so I, I, again culminating with this bickering that you can sort of hear but not really hear but you don't need to hear you get you get to <laughs> you get the tone of it and you get words here and there and that's all you uh, need just phenomenal filmmaking so well, done. <laughs> so well done and just so like and like the attention the whole time like you're legitimately scared for them i mean even like knowing how it ends like i still could like feel the tension and then just like the comedic relief yeah but it's not complete relief because you're also still nervous that they won't survive that jump even though you like know in the back of your mind that surely they will. I had to keep checking how much time was left because I'm like, okay, they can't kill them off halfway through this movie. (laughs) No. Well, and then the movie does something amazing where you have this bit that almost seems like the cl- what should be the climax of the movie, but the movie just is going to ratchet it up further Mm -hmm. in the second half. For sure. So they get back to Etta's. She is shaken. I love the interaction with her and Sundance here because up until this point like I mean Sundance has been a little gruff Sundance has been very gruff a lot of the time and so we got to see the really sweet scene with her and Butch so now we kind of like need to see something sweet with her and Sundance and I love the line where he says don't make a big deal out of it and starts to walk past her and then stops and turns around and grabs her and is like, no, make a big deal out of it. Oh, that was so sweet. It's so sweet between the two of them. I I love that it's kind of like a recognition of the fact that they were both so scared mm-hmm. and like how close that like he and Butch got to dying. Like I just, I love, it's just like a couple of little lines and I love it so mm-hmm. much. And you even have Butch in the background reading the paper about what was going on as well. So props And confirming again. that it was LaForce. Yes. And uh, Lord Baltimore as well. Mm -hmm. So culmination of that scene is they're going to Bolivia, is it? And this interaction between Etta and Sundance is amazing. Because it positions Etta as this like adventure-seeking but emotionally attached person. I don't know. It's just like it it adds to how much she cares about Sundance. That she's like, I will go with, I will... Uh, patch your clothes. I will clean for you. I will cook for you. The one, the one thing, thing I won't do is watch you die. Exactly. So that gun on the wall right there. Though I do were. get kind of, I get a little like miffed at him when he was like, the minute you whine, we're dropping you. But it becomes super funny because later it turns out that like Etta's absolutely essential. Oh yeah. <laughs> to their success of Bolivia. There's another line he says earlier too, which is like so funny in hindsight because, uh, they're, they say in that scene, they're like, Butch speaks a little Spanish and like, you speak really good Spanish. Turns out Butch doesn't really speak very good, like hardly any Spanish and Etta's fluent. So they yeah. just really need her. <laughs> I also loved how she threw that back in his face, though, where it's like, I'm not going to complain, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm absolutely not going to complain. I will do whatever you ask of me. I'm just not going to watch you die. Right. So they're on their way. They're going. We get this, again, sepia montage 
building up kind of the good times they're having in traveling, going to New York, waiting for their steamship, yeah. which I will say confused me because I was not super well-versed in how one would travel to Bolivia from the American West in the late 19th century or early 19th century. When, when was this actually supposed to happen? Like 18 something? Late 19th. Yeah, it would be late 19th. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's like 18, late 1800s, oh, 1899. Okay. Yeah. The period of time that is like the um, old west, mm-hmm. like that we think of, that like the westerns tradi- traditionally set in, is a very short period of American history. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, wasn't well versed in that, but they're in New York. They're you know having fun on a boat in and the I lake. love the way that's it's like in the sepia thing but it's in like the style of these old photographs yeah. and it looks like they I think is brilliant. edited them edited them they into did it. so I'm just like this they is did. great I love it I I was reading that originally they wanted to actually use the hello dolly set to like film some of those like montage moments uh-huh. but like they weren't allowed to or something so instead they just like edited them into old photographs and I think it's so much cooler Oh, agreed. And they did a very good job because I was like, I can't tell if this is edited, but it has to be. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, there's no way they cast all three of those people looking so close. Exactly. And they even get on the steamship. And the one scene that I, again, building up that relationship between Sundance and Etta is at the party where they are the last ones there still dancing. Just, yeah, it's so sweet. I think it's so important that they took the moments to have there be like a sweet, like sweet moments between Sundance and Etta, because otherwise you're just sitting there being like, why in the world is she with him? And why would she follow him considering like how gruff he's been and like some of the like, the minute you complain, I'm going to drop you. And then Mm -hmm. him being like when Butch was like, I'm stealing your woman, him being like, take her. So like, I think it's so important that they like have those sweet moments with those two otherwise like that relationship doesn't work and if that relationship doesn't work it messes up the etta butch relationship and it messes up the butch sundance relationship yeah totally agree so that sequence ends in a beautiful way everything's been static up to this point but there's one final moving shot of the train in bolivia but it fades into color as the train pulls away and they're just standing at this station in the middle of nowhere in bolivia Okay, so once again, we had Butch talking like early in the film about like how Bolivia was like the new California. He was like, you know, if we'd made it out here during the gold, like if we were living during the gold rush, we'd go to California, right? Well, like that's what Bolivia is like. Like the banks are so easy to rob and like all of this stuff. If you could hear an eye roll. It becomes so apparent in this scene that Butch doesn't really know anything about Bolivia. He probably just like heard one person say that like, oh yeah, there's like a ton of easy banks to rob down there. Like he clearly did not do any of his research. And this is, they bring that concept back in a very funny way and very endearing way at the end of the film. They do. But yeah, we get to see Sundance like throw a tantrum. Which, which mad, mad grumpy Sundance is my favorite Sundance because I think petulant. it's so funny. I love it's it. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so, so funny because he's like, you know, Butch is being like, okay, well, you know, so the place we are now, like, I'm sure all of Bolivia doesn't look like this, which he's right. Like Sundance just being, it, Sundance is, is definitely overreacting a bit, but I think he's just very stressed and he doesn't handle his stress very well. But Butch is being like, you know, it's fine. Like, we'll find a place. Like, you just got to go with the flow, basically. And Sundance is just not having any of it. 
And then I love the part where Etta tries to say something in Butch's defense, and he looks at her and goes, uh, no, 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 your job here is to back me up. Like, you'd starve <laughs> without me. I love that you'd starve without me because she doesn't say anything. And then later we find out, actually very soon we find out, oh, actually, in fact, he and Butch would starve without Etta. 100%. Because they try to rob this one bank. Like, they waltz in thinking it's going to be no big deal. And this poor clerk is just, like, speaking to them in Spanish, like, hey, do you want to open an account? We can deposit stuff, da-da-da. And they are, like, the minute blank face. The minute the clerk starts to talk, the look on Butch's face as he realizes that his Spanish is not up to this. Okay, my Spanish is real rusty, but I understood the clerk. Like, this was rudimentary. I understood, I understood, like, I didn't understand verbatim the clerk, but, like, I could gather. I I don't know Spanish, but, like, I know enough French mm-hmm. to be, like, okay, it's similar enough. But, like, just the sudden just stop and look on Butch's face and the way he just turns around and leaves was so, so funny and such a great performance on Newman's part and then Redford's reaction to it. So angry. And they come back and are like, like oh having words at their like apartment house thing. I don't know. And I Whatever love that now it is Edda coming here to save the day. And we teaching get... them Spanish because she's a teacher. Yeah, yeah. And I love the bit where she uh, gets onto Sundance because she has them repeating phrases like, "We are here. To, like this is a robbery." And put your hands up and up Give against me the wall. The and I love that Sundance won't recite them. And she's like, "This is supposed to be a group recitation exercise." <laughs> Ed is the best. Oh, it's so funny. And then there's like the bit. Where uh, they're and they're both struggling with it, and like these are it, this is not hard. No, 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 it's so not hard. They are hardcore struggling with it. And I love the bit where like she and Sundance are in bed, and she's like still quizzing him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, I just it's on the tip of my tongue." And so then she bangs on the wall where Butch is next door, and is like, "Butch, try this phrase," Ugh. and he starts to get it, and then can't remember it, and pulls out the little crib sheet. And then reads it off, and she's like, oh, my God, that's very good. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're just a really good teacher. But that introduction of that crib sheet is perfect, because when they go to rob the bank, okay, <laughs> the patrons in this bank know what's going down. They are I know, already like, against the wall, hands up. But Butch is, like, going line by line through his script. <laughs> I love him being like, this is a robbery. And so Dance is like, they know it's a robbery. Backs <laughs> against the, the wall. They're already they against, are the against the wall. Hands up. Their hands are up. <laughs> Skip down. As like oh. Sundance is getting more and more panicked and Butch is getting more and more flustered. And he's like, fine, you read the list. Yeah. <laughs> and then they make it out of the bank with the money and like Edda's there with like the, the horses mm-hmm. and they escape. And I just. It's great. Holds, it's so so funny and the two of them play it so well and i i do love the concept that you had these two outlaws that were like oh we're such hot shit and then the minute that they go somewhere where it's like everybody else doesn't speak their primary language they're like oh my god we're fucked yeah like they just that never really occurred to them Like, it kind of occurred to them because Butch was like, oh, yeah, I speak Spanish. Although he can probably do, like, he could probably say, like, hello, goodbye, and thank you. Which I get the feeling is, like, the extent of Butch's Spanish going into Bolivia. And that they're like, we should bring Etta because, like, you know, she speaks Spanish. But, like, they never fully thought it through. Ridiculous. Glad Etta's there. 
But this leads into a montage of them hitting up a bunch of banks. And this is where, even though the music was not in the period. Yeah. It's like, I can't even do it right. But it's, yeah, it's like the, it's like an acapella I don't. Kind of it, they had music like that jazzy. in the first Incredibles movie. I like. I. I. I don't know how to describe it. There's got to be a way to. Regardless, I loved this. Well, <laughs> I loved the mon. The idea of the montage. I think it went on just a smidgen too long, but it does emphasize how embedded Etta is in their operation. So they have one version yeah. where she's the one that wants to deposit money and is like, no, I need to see your safe. I'm not just going to hand you my money. Which there's no dialogue during this bit. It's just that score. But uh-huh. like the way it's acted and especially this this scene that you're describing now, the way like Catherine Ross and Robert Redford mm-hmm. and the um, actor playing like the bank teller play it like we don't need the dialogue. Like, no. We 100% understand what's going on. And then the way that the score will change a little bit underneath, depending on like who's doing something yeah. and like who's like talk, quote, talking and like what's going on is phenomenal. It's very like silent movie-y, kind of like the beginning of the film. <laughs> yeah. And even that one too, I love the comedic thing at the end where the clerk's just like, well, you can lock me in here. Here's the lock. Here's the keys. Just give it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. So funny. No one ever fights them back, which is smart. True. And just really funny. And because no one ever fights them back, like, they never, I was just thinking, realizing this, like, we never see Butch and Sundance, like, kill a civilian. Correct. Which I think is super, super important to how much we like them right. and how much we root for them. Because it feels more like, like, we do get, I guess, some hints in like the mining sequence that like they have been hurting like working class people because they've been robbing banks and payroll. But in general, like it, it feels more like they're fighting the man they're fighting the establishment, which is very 60s, 70s and makes them a lot more likable. It feels kind of like a half Robin hood. They are trying to take down just the rob from the rich part. Exactly. Not the give to the poor part, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) totally agree with you on the likability aspect. But it gets to the point where they see someone in a white hat and are worried that the sheriff is after them again. That it's LaForce. They're scared straight. I love that. And we don't see the guy's face. We just see the white boater. Uh And it's something that they had set up previously. They're like, he always wears that white hat. Like, it's 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 brilliant. So they go to this mining company. Literally scared straight. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, we're going straight. Like, he has to wait to arrest us. So, like, we'll just go straight. (laughs) So they, they get this job at... A mining company where they are the ones, and this is, as you mentioned, we get that idea that all the cash comes from the capital and it gets stolen on the way. So you might not get paid, but they're now the muscle for the guy that like runs this mine. They're the payroll guard now. The irony. The the banditos Yankees (laughs) are now the payroll guard. And so this first job they're on, they're making it down the mountain and this boss man is just like talking and talking and talking and talking and lecturing them on how to guard because they are both so nervous and they're being like butch is like i think the the ambush is going to come from up here and Sunday's like i think it's going to come from over there and we'll like i'll take the candy you take the bushes and the guy is like you idiots we're not going to get robbed going down the mountain because we don't have any money going down the mountain we're going to get robbed going back up the mountain and he is he is being so condescending to them and it's hilarious because one, it's like, well, they would know where the ambushes would come from because they've done the ambushes, but also he's not wrong and they are being idiots. Yeah. It's like both, <laughs> I, everybody involved is just an idiot. 
So they're going down the mountain. They're fine. Coming back up the mountain, Percy, the boss played by Strother Martin, is so funny. Again, hilarious. He's still talking about how it's like. I love his line where he's he's like, you think I'm crazy, don't you? Well, I'm not crazy. I'm colorful. And living alone makes you a little Olivia colorful. Olivia for 10 years will make you colorful. And bam shot. <laughs> yeah. That's literally how that went down. Which the way that like immediately changes the tone of that scene is so good because it really is like you we're in a very comedic scene mm-hmm. like theoretically we know that like the stakes are high because we know that they're probably going to get robbed but Percy like, has basically said no it's not going to happen here it's going to happen up the mountain jokes yeah. on you Percy yep um so he gets shot immediately everything is like tense uh Sundance and Butch get off their horses and they're like behind these rocks and they get the payroll Mm -hmm. like the saddlebags with the payroll and just throw it at the bandits and run Mm -hmm. but little do the bandits know it's actually an ambush of an ambush which i kind of liked that setup layers on layers on layers exactly i also like i like that it's like the idea um that because i was reading that like one of the things that people didn't like about the initial screenplay was like there were some execs that like had issue with the fact that like butch and sundance run away that like they run away down to bolivia and that they like run away and stuff and they kind of like run away here mm-hmm. it seemingly from the fight and they were like that's not how westerns are supposed to be like the outlaw doesn't like the the protagonist doesn't run away and it's like but they can like they do and like that that is the actual story like butch and sundance like yeah the real butch and sundance ran away to argentina and bolivia because they were being hunted by like the super posse like <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't as intense apparently as it is in the movie apparently it was more like a posse got formed they heard about it and were like peace out but like i i don't know to me that makes the the characters seem more human and again more likable because it's like they're kind of doing they don't always do the smart thing but sometimes they do the smart thing yeah and that was wait till the other bandits are distracted divvying up the payroll yeah and they have them again this scene though that the beginning of it is still i think kind of comedic because it's still playing off the fact that butch and Sundance don't know Spanish, which... I love how Sundance has seemingly not learned a word of Spanish. How have they not learned a word of Spanish? I don't like, know. Butch's has gotten a little bit better. Not very. It's still not great, <laughs> because I think the the bandits, like, correct him at one point, right? They correct his grammar. Yes. They're like, oh, do you mean this? You mean it's, it's your money. Yeah. <laughs> but it... This scene is is absolutely pivotal for Butch and Sundance. So it comes out yes. at the beginning as they're getting ready to shoot these bandits. Butch has never shot anybody. Well, and it's something that we've kind of, I God, the like foreshadowing in this mm-hmm. film and the way they just kind of layer breadcrumbs is great because we've had throughout the film instances of those two characters who have seemingly been working together for a while and have a really good relationship and are, I would definitely say friends, finding out, honestly some kind of basic stuff about each other like they towards the beginning learn each other's real names yeah and like finding out that like Sundance can't swim and then like at one point Butch finds out when Sundance is having a fit at the train station he says something about like Atlantic City and Sundance is like well surprise bitch I was born in New Jersey (laughs) like they've been finding out stuff about this and this is where Butch tells Sundance he's never actually shot anybody yeah, and it's shocking. Robert Redford's 
acting with Sundance's reaction to that news is it's it's just beautiful because he just kind of his eyes kind of go a little bit wider and the narrow back and he's like okay well aim for those two and aim for the body so if you miss at least you'll hit some like aim for their center if you miss at least you'll hit something like it's practical it's so good it's it's but it's like the perfect reaction because like they can't show like he can't be like wait what like you can't show that not in that situation no and then when it comes to the actual fight at the very beginning of that sequence i was like "Eh, i'm not on board with this but the way that it goes through with that extended scream from one of the bandits and the slow motion and it's in like slow motion and this is the most brutal shootout Mm -hmm. we've seen it's filmed in a much more violent style than the rest of the shootouts which initially like you said seems odd until you get the close-up on butch's face Mm -hmm. just like the blank kind of dead-eyed stare like he is he's having to cope for having killed someone for the first time well and i i also love the irony of them killing somebody for the first time on a quote-unquote straight job yeah it's which Beautiful. I think they make a comment. I think Sundance makes some commentary. So like, uh, so we tried going straight. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out so well. And this is when Etta decides to leave too. So it's like, all right, everything's starting to fall apart. They may not understand how pivotal Etta is, but I definitely yeah. did. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no. Well, I think it's a moment of, because clearly they've they've like made a name for themselves in Bolivia. They're now just as wanted in Bolivia as they were back in mm-hmm. the u.s we got like, to see even when they're trying to get of them when they're trying to get the payroll they're like wait didn't we rob this bank like back in june yeah they're trying to hide their faces i think at this point at because there's the whole conversation where she's like well you know there's more than one way to go straight like we could buy a farm or we could buy a ranch and every idea that she's like mentioning they're like no we're not any good at that we can't do that like basically we're only good at one thing and it's robbing banks and i think it's her realizing that she has attached herself to two people who are doomed. Right. And she said she wasn't going to watch them die and she isn't. And I think there was part of her in the bit where she's kind of, they're like clearly camping and she's like, tells Sundance, you know, I think I'm going to go back ahead of you guys. And he's like, yeah, whatever you want. And then he yells over to Bush. He's like, Etta says she thinks she's going to go home. And he's like, yeah, whatever she wants. And then there's the shot of Etta where I think she had kind of hoped that at least one of them would ask her to stay. Yeah. It was really sad. At least I thought it was sad because you also have I do too. Butch dealing with the fact he just killed someone for the first time too. So it's like a, it, an emotionally yeah. charged part. So yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very emotional scene, but also it acted so subtly. Yeah. It's, Again, it's acting really good. Acting deserved, but not had. Yeah. Honestly, you know what? Where's also, where's Kath? I'm going to, you know, I said earlier that I think uh, we're missing two acting noms. I think we're missing three. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the only reason why Catherine would not get it is because she's not given enough screen time in my mind to catch the That's eye. That's supporting though. Even even that though. It feels like she, she is so pivotal in my mind, despite the fact yeah. she's given little screen time. I just worry that that wouldn't be enough for the Academy at the time. True. So... True. Anyway, they go back to being basically petty criminals holding up the payroll. And whining about it because like at one point Bush is like, I'm not going to do any more jungle jobs. It's too hot in the jungle. And I'm like, just just leave. 
Go away. Like maybe maybe if you hadn't robbed every single bank multiple times and then spent all your money so you had to keep robbing banks, you wouldn't have to be robbing caravans in exactly. the jungle. And so we, we're rapidly approaching the final scene of this, which is amazing. They've done this final job. They took one of their donkeys, Sloppy, with a brand on it. Very Sloppy. sloppy. Tied up. They're, you know, having their meal, doing their thing. But the one boy who saw, like, had to take it, the horses and tie them up, noticed the brand and told the police chief that this was what was going down. I love the way this whole thing unfolded. It's so good. Because from the very beginning, you see this inhuman number of local policemen just, like, shooting from all angles. But the thing that they've done repeatedly throughout these gunfights is avoided showing you where all of these people are. So it's focused very much on Sundance and Butch, just in cover, quick peeks, quick shots of areas where they think shots are coming from, but no one's there. So I I don't know, the way that it's like this unseen opposing force just really builds that tension for me again i know i Mm -hmm. i'm a broken record on the tension in this movie but it's fine it's so it's so important to this movie though and it's handled beautifully oh yeah and so they get pushed into this one house like restaurant place i i guess that's what it was i in my head it's a church but i don't know if that's just in my head because of like symbolism i don't think it is either but in my head it is yeah, I don't think it's a church. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. And so it's, it, it, one, they seem to be like winning against the local police guard. They're running low on ammo, yes. though. So the whole thing is Butch has to go get it from the horses while Sundance provides cover. I love, I love that exchange where Sundance is like, you know, they're saying like, we're low on ammo. Sundance is like, I'll go to the horses and get it. And then Butch is like... God damn it, me being me and my smart self, which we're like, okay, Butch. He's like, I have to be the one to go and get it because there's no way I can provide a- adequate cover right. for you, but you can provide adequate cover for me. And is basically like, you know, unless you really want to go and do it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you it's go all and you. do it. Like, I just love that exchange. Like, the talk me out of it. Well, I'm not going to. Right. So. so the way that that part is, the, the movement in the shots, in the way that's filmed, beautiful. The cuts are really quick. You have a like the appropriate amount of panning when you need to have them move. Where's the editing nomination for right? this? And even the like setup of some of the shots where Newman is framed between some clay pots like close to the the horses and the mule. And ah, uh, it's just beautiful. This is And the way he like gets between the two mules mm-hmm. and like rides between the two of them to like get back to the building with the ammo, but does get shot. And I wasn't and wounded. Sundance also like wounded well yes because here's again like their relationship like honestly at this point sun like when butch goes down sundance could probably like fight his way out and save himself but he doesn't he runs out from cover to cover butch and help get butch into the building and in the meantime is shot himself yeah so like the bromance is really oh it really is and we see they don't know that the bolivian army has you know, around the police chief is like, you got to help me. The banditos Yankee are here. <laughs> like an entire division. And the setup where we get all of the shots of 
all of the soldiers on the rooftop lining up, guns pointed at this building. It's just like, yeah. there is no out. They're not going to get out. There's no out because they're, they're in this building. They don't know that the entire army is there. There is going back to the whole butch being like, oh, this place that I definitely know really not that much about is like totally going to be our answer in like this great paradise um, is like, so I've got an idea. And so Nancy's like, I don't want to hear it. And there's a pause. He goes, Australia. See, I know you didn't say, I know you said you didn't want to hear it, but I figured you secretly did. So I told you anyway. And I was like, I love that line so much. Um, And then he goes on this spiel about Australia and how like Australia is great. And like the banks are amazing and they're just ripe for the picking. And there's so much territory for them to hide. I love that they picked a penal colony to go next to. (laughs) <laughs> well, also a lot of the stuff he says, I'm like, Australia at this time had their own outlaws that I'm I'm pretty sure they were cracking down on. And like, there's a bit earlier when they're in the jungle where uh, Butch is like, and there are snakes in the jungle. I hate snakes. And I'm like, don't fucking go to Australia. Yeah. More than just snakes <laughs> will you kill you there. Have you seen the wildlife in Australia? It's terrifying. So they are set up, ready to shoot out. And this final shot sent chills love, down my also, spine. There's there's a great line though too where he's like wait a minute did you see Lafours out there and Sundance is like no 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 I didn't see him and Butch goes okay good I thought we were in trouble for a second oh, and the dramatic irony there mm-hmm. I'm just like on the edge of my seat because I know what's about to happen and they don't and it's killing me so they get ready they run out and immediately the camera freezes sepia, sepia tone and we hear the firing squad like just. I think it's like three volleys of gunshots. But they're just frozen there looking at you out of the frame as you slowly zoom out. Guns blazing. The end. It's chills. Brilliant. Because we know what's going to happen to them. We don't need to see it. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, let us remember these two characters that we've like come to adore over the course of this film as they were like fighting, guns blazing. Also, Apparently, like, the real Butch and Sundance did die to a shootout with the Bolivian army, or did they? There were rumors that they escaped. It was it was like the kind of like the legend that they escaped. They almost certainly did not. But I, I like that with that ending, it almost like leaves that legend open a little bit uh-huh. to where I'm like, you know what? I can hope. It's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's... Uh... A really good movie. I vote that you it's watch so it. Good. <laughs> I also vote that you watch it. That's that's two out of two. Now you got to watch it. All right. Since we're not doing rankings, do we want to talk about whether or not we think this should have beat Midnight Cowboy, which did win that year? I I think it should have. Yeah. Personally, I I kind of I think it's an overall better movie. I understand why Midnight Cowboy won. Um, I understand why the Academy went for that. Mm-hmm. But I think that Butch Cassidy and Sundance is a better movie. And I think it has also had a much longer lasting legacy, including the Sundance Movie Festival, which was founded by Robert Redford and is named after his character Sundance. Really? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to ultimately agree with you kind of begrudgingly because I do like the symbolism of the Academy picking such a, at the time, shocking movie. But- I think this aged much, much, much better. 
Yeah, and I'm okay with like the Academy picking a shocking movie, but I'm also of the opinion that like just because a movie is shocking doesn't mean it's the best. I'd agree, but I would say Midnight Cowboy also was good. I wouldn't say that it was like horrible. No, I would agree. Like I think it's good, but I don't think the performances overall are nearly as good. Maybe um like maybe Dustin Hoffman you could say is as good in Midnight Cowboy as Redford and Newman are in Sun and like mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and Sundance. But like, I don't necessarily think so. I don't think John Voight's nearly as good. And he's like the star of Midnight Cowboy. I think the pacing's not as good. I don't think the cinematography's as good. The script isn't as tight. Like I just, yeah, you know, I was definitely also, gonna... it's a huge downer. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm trying to set that aside. <laughs> But I totally agree with you on John Voight's performance. I mean, soundtrack was pretty good. I appreciated the cinematography in parts. I know you really hated the artsier, like, flashback sequences. I actually really liked those. It was overused. I was I was fine with the concept of them. I just thought they were way overused. Fair. But I... And inconsistent I really, in their style. I think that meant something, though. The style differences. But it's not... I, I disagree. I think they were just inconsistent. <laughs> I do wish that uh, John Schlesinger... Schles- I cannot pronounce his name. Schlesinger had not won for Best Director because I think this was better directed. Yeah. That that I definitely agree with. I just, I just think this was technically better. I think the script was tighter. I think their performances are better. I would agree that it definitely isn't really touching on anything like nearly as weighty as Midnight Cowboy. And it's... Other than a little bit of like anti-establishmentarianism, it doesn't really touch on any sort of like social issue or reflect any sort of social issue from the time period. Right. So like I I understand like that being a consideration. I think it's something that we've talked about in some of our rankings where I'll be like, oh yeah, it was a really great movie, but like it didn't really try and like do anything more. But I just I just think this is a better movie. Yeah. I just felt I feel so much more engaged watching it than I do. Midnight Cowboy. And that's not just because I love looking at Paul Newman and Young Robert. (laughs) But that is a factor. Will not lie. I always struggle with how to separate how I'm taking and in a movie versus like how good it is objectively. But the thing is, I I'm I'm kind of of two minds on that where I wish there was a way to get to an objective like comparison, but I almost don't think you can. I mean, that's not the point of art, right? Like art is going to speak differently to different people based on like your personal preferences, your experiences in life. And like, I also like, I like the Western genre a lot. Mm -hmm. So like, that's just, I'm going to be, have more affinity towards that type of film. Like I like the Western genre and I don't like downers. So fair. I mean, I I still agree that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid should have won over Midnight Cowboy. I just, but I understand. Yeah. I understand why exactly. I didn't. So yeah. Anyway, cool. Watch Butch Cassidy. If you really want to watch Midnight Cowboy, I'm not going to stop you. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a rough. downer. Watch. Here's what you do: you watch Midnight Cowboy, then you watch The Sting, and then you watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So you just steadily get to better and better movies. Perfect. I like it. Do that. <laughs> okay, so that is our lovely discussion on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, join us next time when we will be back to canon episodes yes. now that I have gotten my little my little two movie break from yes. the Godfather trilogy. We will be back with the Godfather part two. Exactly. 
In the meantime, though, please check us out on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, or if you have something more long form, you want to discuss things about Midnight Cowboy versus Sundance and the uh, ooh, Sundance and the Butch Kid, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> <laughs> please do email us. We are uh, best the Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, no article, just Best Pictures Podcast. <laughs> You can tell who checks that email frequently. Yeah, not me, obviously. <laughs> uh, and as always, please rate, subscribe, review, especially review. That's how you know we reach new listeners, and we love to hear about it. So thanks for listening to this. And as Maggie said, join us next time for The Godfather Part 2.